Hello friends, my name is Paige Harmon and this is my podcast, Inexperienced at Life. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is part two of our true crime. So, our part two starts with Clay um, doing a different true crime, right? Yes. But it's tied, we think it's somehow tied into mine, correct? Yes, we do. All right. Well, share about your true crime. All righty. So, my true crime is about Lisa Marie Kimmel, also known as Little Miss Case. So, a little background on Kimmel. She was born... July 18th, 1969, in Covington, Tennessee. She was the oldest of three daughters of Sheila and Ronald, and her parents raised her and her three sisters in Billings, Montana. After graduating high school in 1987, Kimmel took a job as a manager of Arby's in Aurora, Colorado, which is just a fast food chain. And she got this manager position because her mother was actually the regional manager of the restaurant chain. And so they both were working for the same company in the same area. So they both commuted together between Billings and Aurora. It was roughly 550 miles that they would drive weekly. Um... During the week, they would each stay in a different apartment that they had down in Aurora. And then they were always, they were returning to Billings often because that's where um, Lisa's dad and her sisters were still living and where they were from. So that's just a little bit of background. And then we're going to jump right into the disappearance. So... On March 25th, 1988, just a year after Kimmel had graduated high school, um, Kimmel left Aurora, which Aurora is right outside of Denver. Yeah, it is. So uh, Kimmel left Aurora heading for Billings to go to her parents' house. Um, Normally, Sheila, her mother, and her would just travel together, but... Uh, Sheila left a a day early on a flight because she had a ski trip trip that was planned. On her way home, um, Lisa was going to stop in Cody, Wyoming and pick up her boyfriend, Ed. Uh, At 9.06 that night, she was stopped by the Wyoming Highway Patrol for speeding in Douglas, Wyoming. Um, Lisa was attempting to pay her ticket, but the ATM wasn't compatible with her debit card, which was a pretty common thing for Wyoming Highway Patrol to want, or any law enforcement, want out-of-staters to pay their ticket right then and there because they didn't know if the address they were giving them was an actual address or they didn't... They just weren't sure, so it was a common practice to have them pay their ticket right there up front. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, and they'll still do that with um, people from out of country, too, from outside of the U.S. Oh, really? They will still try to have them pay right then and there. 
Mm. So give me my money. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So she couldn't pay because her debit card and the ATM weren't compatible. The officer agreed, being since she was just a state away, that she could mail a check when she got home. Little did they know that officer would be the last confirmed sighting of Kimmel, of Lisa. That was the last eyewitness of her. The last confirmed one, yes. Highway patrol officer, wow. Um, She was reported missing by her family members the following day when Ed, her boyfriend, called and said he never arrived to pick her up in Cody. She never arrived? Lisa never arrived to pick him up that night. And... That was unlike her. If she said she was going to do something, she was going to do it. Probably, like, let them know ahead of time, too. Try to get to a phone. Because back then, you know, it was probably by payphone, And so exactly. she's probably like, hey, I hit some weather. Or I got pulled over. I'm trying to make my way there or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, so they reported her missing. And yes, now they're going to discover the body. So, eight days went by, and nobody had heard from her. Nobody had had any idea what happened. And there was absolute no sign of her. Nothing just fell off the face of the earth for eight days. And then on April 2nd, Lisa Kimmel's body was found floating in the North Platte River, which is right near Casper, Wyoming. And it was found by a couple of fishermen. Hmm... So, the fishermen found her. Do you know where they found her along the river? They just said a uh, popular fishing spot. Oh, okay. It, that's all, all I know of. I see. So, they lo- the fishermen called the law enforcement, obviously, because they just found a body. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, hey, man, uh, let's uh, walk away and go fish over here. Like, yeah. I wouldn't. You're like, No. So an autopsy was performed, and it was determined that Kimmel had been bound, beaten, and raped for at least six days. Oh my gosh. Yes. It would be a terrible situation. Oh yeah. Evidence proved that she was taken to the old government bridge where she she took her last breath. When she was on the bridge, she was hit in the head and stabbed six times in the chest and the abdomen before she was thrown over the edge into the river. Even without the stab wounds, she would have died and succumbed to her uh, injuries from the head trauma. Oh my gosh. So it was that brutal. Yikes. Yeah. So, Kimmel's case was actually featured on television on the different uh, channels and programs, one of them being Unsolved Mysteries, and the other one was Cold Case Files. So it was a nas- or a nationwide case that they were trying to solve. Wow. Um, the local law enforcement was trying to find out where Kimmel's black Honda CRX uh, car was because it had a custom license plate that read Little Miss, which is is the title of their of the cold case. Little or Lil? It's L I L. So Lil. Miss. Lil Miss. Lil Miss. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Local law enforcement believed that that car would be the direct link to the killer. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm not a, de- a detective. However, we both have seen plenty of true crime stuff where it's like you're trying to find whatever remnants are of that person, right? So Absolutely. So you're trying to find her car. Kind of like with my case with Amy, they found her car. They're, they found stuff in it. And so they're like, okay, does this tell us anything on where they went, who was with her? Right, with and having, like, I mean, it sounds silly, like, we're looking for a car. It's a giant car, and a CRX is a kind of a an SUV, a smaller SUV. Yeah. So that's they were trying to find the car because they thought, oh, this will be easy. It's a vehicle. Oh, it's evidence. How can we miss it? Yeah. Type of a deal. Exactly. So, Just didn't grow legs and walk off. Exactly. Well, in the summer of 2002, 14 years after Kimmel was brutally murdered, investigators looking into the cold case came across Kimmel's rape kit. From that kit, a DNA profile was developed from the evidence that they had obtained. Their central data system that they enter everything in. Called CODIS. Yeah. Which is... A fancy word, acronym, I should say, for um, evidence and data and stuff on cases and crimes. Yes. Um, Oh, it stands for Combined DNA Index System. Oh. CODIS. And they entered that DNA into the system, and they got a match. Her, her rape kit had a match with a suspect? With the DNA from her rape kit had a match. Oh, wow. So that match came back to a Dale Wayne Eaton. He was 57 years old, and he was from Manita, Wyoming. As it turns out, Eaton was serving time in Eaglewood Federal Prison in Littleton, Colorado on unrelated weapon charges. So he was in a prison in Colorado for something else for weapons for yeah. I'm guessing a felon with weapons or something along those lines. Yeah. So when he was in that prison, he was required to submit his DNA to a or into the CODIS in 1997 because he was re- he was arrested on another separate charge. So he was arrested before, then he was put in jail, and then he was arrested on the weapons charge, and then during that time is when he had to give his DNA into the... Oh, database. CODIS, yes. Well, that separate charge that happened in 1997 was... With an incident with the Breeden family. the This family's car had broken down and Eaton had stopped to help them. They am thinking, oh, this nice Samaritan, he's stopping to help us out. How awesome. Well, Eaton proceeded to kidnap the entire family at gunpoint. Oh, great. So... Family vacation gone wrong. Exactly. <laughs> Gosh. He was, Eaton was arrested for the kidnapping, charged with it, and then he escaped custody. 
and was on the run in 1997. Ooh, so... <laughs> where where did this all happen? This happened right outside the, th- the Shoshone National Forest. Which... Okay, if you listen to the first episode, you know that that's where Amy ran lived because Lander's right there, right next yes, to the Lander Shoshone. Is... Shoshone, Shoshone, however you want to pronounce it, is National Forest. And so it was, did it say like in the summer? It just said in 97. 97. So. Which I think, uh, okay, anyway, yeah, so. Yeah, <laughs> a little twist here. <laughs> he was on the run. He had escaped custody, but he was recaptured up in the Shoshone National Forest. Oh. Well, when he was arrested, or recaptured, rearrested, I guess. Yeah. He was in the possession of a of a weapon, which elevated his crime. To the federal level. Oh, gotcha. So, um, while this is all going on, Eaton had, he never mentioned any other crimes he did because he wasn't going to self-incriminate him. Right. He wasn't going to self-incriminate himself. Right. If that makes sense. But Eaton's next door neighbors told investigators because they started poking around and trying to figure out, like, oh, is he really that bad of a man? Or Yeah, like, just... what's going on with our neighbor? Yes. So the investigators start poking around, and then the next-door neighbors tell the investigators they had witnessed him digging a large hole on his property in Manita. Which, by the way, I lived in Shoshone, which is not that far from Manita, and Manita's not really a town per se it's just an area that they call Medina. Yes. it is if you, there's godforsaken land that has there's just nothing there if you blink you're going to miss it yeah it's just pr- desert and prairie so it's like the perfect place for somebody to live to, to commit it, crimes except if you have nosy neighbors i guess well because yeah, <laughs> it's guess. flat and you yeah. can see everything well there's nothing to do out there either so i mean you know how it is with like watching your neighbors i'm not saying like we creep on <laughs> our neighbors at all but you know like the comings and goings of the people within Absolutely. the community that you live in right because you know like oh their family they have kids they take them to school at this time or they have a dog and it's just the normal run-ins with your neighbors yeah it's nothing weird exactly it's just... but then if you're a decent person you do notice when things aren't going correctly you know what i mean it's like you start picking up on things like they haven't been home in like two weeks or or my neighbor's digging a giant hole with an (laughs) excavator and that's not normal yeah that's a little different yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so in the summer of 2002 they that site where he dug that hole was excavated and buried in the ground was Kimmel's CRX. Oh my gosh. The Honda still had the license plate little or Lil Miss wow. on it. And they yeah. were Montana State yes. plates, right? Yeah. Okay. They were. They I mean custom license plate back yeah. in ninety ninety well what did I say it 97? was? Ninety seven? 
No, when when she was taken. Oh, in, oh, in 1988. 88, yeah, wow. That was pretty unusual for people to have custom license plates. So yeah, pretty distinctive. Yeah. So. Um. So they found the car. Yes, they excavated the, the site. Ratted him out. They did. Well, Eaton was charged with eight crimes relating to this case. First degree premeditated murder, aggravated kidnapping, aggravated robbery, robbery, first degree sexual assault, second degree, or and second degree sexual assault, plus more. Wow. So, um, so he, obviously he's locked up. Well, apparently Eaton thought it was a good idea to run his mouth because a fellow inmate by the name of Joseph Dack uh, testified in court against Eaton that Eaton confessed to him what he did to Kimmel. So in jail, Eaton was had Joseph as a... Inmate, like cellmate. Cellmate. Yeah. And he was bragging about what he did to Lisa Kimmel, mm. Lil Miss, to him. Then Joseph turned around and testified against him. So, um, from what Joseph Dax testified, he said Kimmel offered a ride, or to give Eaton a ride, and Eaton accepted he was making sexual advances toward Kimmel during the ride, which Kimmel did not appreciate. So she pulled over to let him out of the car. That's when the situation escalated to kidnapping her. Oh. So she was trying to be a good Samaritan, trying to give him a ride, and he kidnaps her. And it all went downhill from there. Well... On March 20th, 2004, Eaton was found guilty of all charges and sentenced to death in Wyoming. Mm. He appealed his conviction and lost. He was scheduled to be put to death in February of 2010, but received a stay of execution in December of 20, or 2009. So, two months before he was Supposed to be put to death, he received a stay of execution. Which is... Pretty much it's you getting to stay on death row, but you're still going to die at some point. Oh. Kind of a waste of taxpayers' dollars, if <laughs> you ask me, but that's my personal opinion. Gotcha. Okay. As of 2019... He is awaiting a new sentencing sentencing hearing on death row. So, as of 2019, he's still waiting to see if he's going to be put to death or if he's going to spend his entire, just have life in prison type okay. of a deal. But currently, Eaton is the only inmate on Wyoming's death row. Right now, yeah. He's still alive, wow. Yeah. So in a in a civil lawsuit, the family Kimmel's family, her parents and her sisters, were awarded 
Eaton's property after a wrongful death lawsuit. So all I don't know how much how many acres he had, but he had enough property that the Kimmel family was awarded that oh. in a trial, in a lawsuit, I guess. Well, on July eighteenth, two thousand five, the day that would have been Lisa's birthday, that she would have t- turned thirty six, the family decided to burn every building on the property to the ground. Oh. All of Eaton's property was burnt to the ground. So, now we get into the potentially related cases. Oh, okay. So, between 1983 and 1996, in Wyoming, there were a string of murders. These murders got the nickname, or got the name, the Great Basin Murders. Well, between 83 and 96 was when Amy... Well, Amy disappeared in 97. But with the Great Basin serial killer, they believe that... If, correct me if I'm wrong. They believe Eaton was connected to those murders because most of them were against women, right? If not yes. all. So there was a law enforcement had suspected Kimmel's murder may have been the part of a serial killer. Right. Which would have been the Great Basin serial killer or great part of the Great Basin murders. For sure. Well, uh, most of the victims were young women who initially disappeared, only to be found murdered. Oh. I think a big reason why Amy wasn't classified into that or why they didn't stretch that from 1983 to 1997 instead of 96 is because they never found Amy. Yeah. Well, a couple of telltale signs of being a serial killer are creating a public spectacle. Right. Yeah, they get a thrill off of that. And keeping a trophy. Yes, of the person that they killed. Yes. So, Eaton, he did both of these. He dumps her body in a popular fishing spot and keeps her car. He kept her car. Yeah. Yeah. So who's to say that he didn't have either other trophies buried? Yeah. Or what other like other evidence from exactly. other women? Which I'm sure they went through his house, but if if he wanted a small trophy, he would have taken jewelry, wallet, or he would have taken um, uh, Kimmel's license plate oh, and yeah. put it in the house yep, instead yeah. of burying her entire car. Exactly. So, uh, Amy Bechtel is considered by law enforcement to be one of the Great Basin Myrtle murders, murderers, potential victims. I would have to agree with you on that, and I, that's where. I think the other guy that we talked about in our other episode is Eaton. Yes. I think he did it because at the time when she disappeared, we don't know if it was when he was running from the police at that time when he kidnapped the family, but his brother commented to law enforcement and said he frequently went up there to go camp. And Manita is not that far from Lander, 
and the Shoshone National Forest. So, from Shoshone to Lander, it's about an hour. So, with from Manita, it's probably like an hour and a half drive. So, not mm, that far. Maybe. So, I really do think that Amy was out running, went about her day, Eaton was up there, and, like, she ran on a very popular, well-driven road up there. And so, I really think that he just so happened to be at the right place at the right time for his next victim, which was Amy, and picked her up and was like, here, I'll give you a ride, or, like... Or ambushed or, her. Yeah, exactly. Or my other theory is is that he was up there camping and saw her running a couple of times up there and stalked her and waited for the perfect opportunity to take her and dump her body somewhere. And we don't even know where it is. That's my theory because I really don't think her husband did it. It just I doesn't make any sense because he was totally not there. Uh, they had a pretty good marriage from what it sounds like. You know, as normal people do. And I don't think an animal got her because there would be signs of that. And then, signs of a struggle. Exactly. And I feel like if the husband did it, he would have done a lot, like a lot better job to get rid of as much evidence as possible to make it look like she just disappeared. You know what I mean? Exactly. And so um, it is, that's, yeah, that's what I think. Um. Well, and the other thing is, is with serial killers, they're looking for their next fix. Right. They're looking for that next high. If he, even if he did that in the um, summer, like early summer of 1997 when Amy disappeared, but then was arrested late summer kidnapping that family, that was his next fix. He got away with Amy, so he escalated it to um, trying to kidnap an entire family. Right, or vice versa. Exactly. You know what I mean? So he could have been up there camping or doing whatever, got Amy, and then was coming back home, saw this family, and was like, I've never done a family before, you know? Yes, or he was, he kidnapped the family. Then when he was on the run, he was so frustrated because he had just, his next high had just gotten ruined by law enforcement. Right. He was looking for the first and next opportunity to be able to take someone or kidnap them, murder them, get that next fix. Yeah. I I think that's what happened to Amy. I and, agree. And I think that's, that's why I wanted you to share your true crime because it ties into my true crime. Yes. It also ties into where I used to live as a kid all of this happening and so it's kind of spooky when i think about it because we moved in there to shoshone in 98 so eaton was already arrested by then but still it's like all of this went down within like not like probably less than a 200 mile radius of yeah. where i lived as a child so yeah it i, I bet if listeners listen they'll probably like look into where they live and i bet there are so many unsolved mysteries and true crimes where you live you know what i mean it doesn't take that hard of digging to jump on the internet it doesn't and look up what's going on you know and yeah it's crazy so that's what i think happened to amy i really don't think her husband did it i don't think she ran away i don't think 
um, she fell and hurt herself and died, or an animal got her. I think. I Eaton, think Eaton got her. I think he killed her. And I think it was just the perfect opportunity for him too, uh, to um, hide her body. Yeah, and oh. I <laughs> lost what I your was train of say, thought. That's okay. <laughs> Any more information on your true crime that you no, want to share? No, that was that was pretty much it. That was it. So, correct me if I'm wrong. One of the things that I read about Eaton when he kidnapped Lisa. He drove back to his place. Yes, he did. And kept her there. Whether and I don't know if the all of the facts match up with all the different things that I read, meaning like different websites. But either he kept her in her house or he also had like a bunch of abandoned vehicles out on his property and one of them being a bus. A school bus. And yes. kept her in a school bus and kept her there and tortured her and raped her and just beat her to death. And then finally the final act was stabbing her and dumping her in the river. Yes. There in um, Casper, outside of Casper. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's correct. Correct. Yeah. Because from what I read. Yeah. He had a lot of abandoned vehicles and buildings, like you said. And from my understanding, he had a couple of single wide trailers that were just abandoned on his property. Oh. So it's hard to say where she was held kidnapped. But it was on his property in Manita. Right. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It's kind of sad, but... Um, like we've talked about is, I don't know why Eaton, if he's trying to appeal the his death sentence so hard, why he doesn't make a deal with the prosecutors of pretty much just being like, yeah, here's information on another case that I did, another murder that I did. I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you everything about Amy Bechtel. Right. If you sentence me to life in prison instead of death. Well, from what I read on Amy's case is that they approached Eaton several times. And about, he won't say he won't, a word. Yep, he won't say anything. Which, I agree with you. If you're going to die anyway, whether dying in prison or by the electric chair or lethal injection or whatever, you might as well spill your guts on everything. And just be like, you know what, yeah, I'm just going to tell tell the world, like, what I did. However, when you're dealing with the mentality of a person like that, there's some sort of sick and twisted thing about, like, keeping your secrets with you when you die and just living with that. Because don't, I am not, a, like, a, I don't know, a psychologist for serial killers. I don't know. There's, like, a specific name for them, I think. But I'm not that. However, this is just my thought process. When you're dealing with somebody like Eaton or like Ted Bundy or, you know what I mean, somebody of that caliber of a person that goes and does that, you almost don't know if you're getting truth or not. You know what I mean? And so it's one of those things where I don't, I have no idea what goes on in their brain, but I, we, we all know from cases with that and deal with serial killers that they have a pattern they prey on weak and vulnerable vulnerable victims whether that is older people or women they usually keep something from 
whoever they kill, um, they try to hide it. They get a thrill, um, just like the Golden Bay Killer. What is it? Is it the Golden Bay Killer? Golden State Killer. Golden State Killer, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which he got caught. He did. And that was pretty cool through DNA and genealogy was able to nail him. But, yeah, I don't know. True crimes are cool, but it's still unfortunate that both Amy and Lisa just, they would have still been alive today. And, you know, what would their life have been like if, you know, their paths didn't cross that just that one day? And, you know what I mean? It's just really unfortunate. Absolutely. So, but, yeah, thanks for sharing. Absolutely. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks well, for having me again. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Finally get her done. <laughs> well, thanks guys for listening and we will catch you later.